Chad. Chad did not pay me to say this, but uh, Chad is a wonderful preacher, minister. I know you know that. Uh, you are blessed to have him. We miss him at the Billy Graham Association. And uh, Chad and I worked on the same team uh, for a number of years, and uh, what a blessing. Well, I'm sure it does not escape you that this is New Year's Day, right? How many have made resolutions this year? Okay. How many have already broken them? Well, that's the way it is, isn't it? So often uh, we... I guess I need to turn on this microphone, don't I? Good. Good deal. So today, let's talk a little bit about uh, the new year and what God would have for us as we seek His will for our lives. Let me get my notes up and we'll be ready to go. And uh, if they don't, that's okay. I'm ready either way. There we go. So Philippians chapter 3. What a great passage. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. We could stop right there. That's wonderful. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on forward to the goal for which the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. As we approach a new year, is it going to just be another year where we just keep on as we have? Or is it going to be different? If you could say, hey, I want this year to be something special. I want it to be just like the last couple years. Would you say that? Probably not. You wouldn't say it if you're thinking about your 401k. You wouldn't say, I, I hope it just continues in the direction it's going. Uh, there'd be a lot of things you'd want to do differently. And, you know, that's true on a spiritual level, but most people's New Year's resolution really don't have anything to do with spiritual things. I looked up uh, last night uh, the 15 top resolutions for the year. Number one, get in shape. Number two, lose weight. Number three, enjoy life to the fullest. Number four, spend less and save more. Number five, spend more time with family and friends. Number six, get organized. Number seven, learn something new. Number eight, travel more. Number nine, break your addiction to smartphones. That would be a good one, right? Everybody just sees the top of your head. And I don't have anything to cover it. So uh, might be a good idea to look up, right? Number 10, eat more at home. Number 11, drink less. Number 12, stop smoking. 13, reduce stress. 14, get more sleep. 15, floss regularly. <laughs> Maybe you're not so ambitious in your New Year's resolution. Maybe yours is just simply when you write checks to write 23 instead of 22 on the check, and that's going to be your resolution for the year. That'd be great. Well, one of the great things about a new year is the fact that things don't have to continue as they have been. 
we can start over. If it's been a bad year, we can put it behind us. And we can make new commitments, not about resolutions. It's about a commitment to God. It's a time of reassessment in our lives to say, listen, I want to be like Paul. I want to press on toward the prize. I want to follow after God. I want to hit the tape in victory. And that's what God would have us for this, think about for this year, I think. So three things if we want our new year to be what it should be. Number one, and you're going to think this is kind of weird, but a spiritual dissatisfaction. Now, Paul said, I haven't obtained it. I'm seeking it, but I'm not there. And what he's saying, listen, I've looked at my life and I realize that I've come a long way, and he had from that road to Damascus. But he's also realized I've got a long way to go, and there's certain areas that I'm not what I should be, but I want to be, right? So a spiritual dissatisfaction. You say, Gary, I thought the Bible says we should always be content. Well, it does say that. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 says, Paul writes and says, Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned that in whatever situation I am, to be content. And so shouldn't we just be content with where we are spiritually? No. Our circumstances, yeah. We can't change our circumstances but we can be content in our circumstances, but we should never reach to the place of being satisfied with where we are spiritually. When we do, we will cease to grow and we will not hit the tape in victory. And so we have to have that sense of spiritual dissatisfaction. I've come a long way. I'm not what I used to be, but I'm not what I'm going to be. And so I'm dissatisfied with that. And I want to grow. Socrates said the unexamined life is not worth living. And so looking at ourselves, the Bible says examine yourselves. And to look and say, where am I spiritually? Where do I want to be in 2023? I think what your pastor talked about today is, is pretty great. Handing out a Bible reading plan. There's some commitments that could be made there, right? I want to read the Bible through in a year. Or maybe I want to memorize those scriptures he's, he's talking about. I haven't done it last year. Maybe got started, and like a lot of resolutions, we kind of give up on it. But you can go back and you say, listen, don't let one day that you miss cause you to put it aside. None of us are perfect, right? And so let's don't expect that and go back to that resolution, that commitment we make to the Lord. Sometimes our greatest need is to see our spiritual need. There was a church that Jesus talked about in those early chapters of Revelation. The church at Laodicea, remember them? They said this, I'm, in, I'm rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. That was their view of themselves. That was their spiritual contentment that they had. Rich, Increased with goods, have need of nothing. But Jesus said, know you not that you're miserable and wretched and poor and blind and naked. What they needed was a little spiritual dissatisfaction. Not to think, I'm fine, I'm great, I don't need anything, I'm good, I want to just keep on like I have been. 
But it's a good thing to go, you know what? I've got some needs. I've got some things that need to change in my life. And it starts really with not being satisfied where you are spiritually. I'm not talking about morbid introspection where you sit around every day thinking about how wicked you are and how evil you are and, and you're counting your sins and all the rest of it. But a spiritual reassessment in God's sight. You know, they say you could go into a coal mine and uh, not know you're, you're getting dirty. It's when you come back into the light that you realized, I've got some things, I have dirt and coal on me. And so as we come into God's light this year, let's be sensitive to the Holy Spirit to point out in our life what we need to do and what needs to change and what commitments we need to take. And so number one, a spiritual dissatisfaction. Number two, if we're going to have victory in 2023, there needs to be a singular devotion. Paul said, this one thing I do. Singular devotion. So many times we don't, we're, we got all these pursuits and all these goals and all these things, and we've missed the most important thing. Our growth, our maturity in Jesus Christ. Instead of these one th this one thing I do, we say these many things I dabble in. You heard the adage, jack of all trades, master of none. And sometimes I need to admit that's my problem. I get involved in all these different things and all these different pursuits and don't end up doing any of them that well. And so this year, let's look at it and say, I'm going to set my number one goal is my relationship, my walk with Jesus Christ and let everything else take its place behind that. And let's realize this one thing I do. The Bible says about a lot about one thing. It says, uh, he said to the rich young ruler, one thing you lack. To Mary and to Martha, that situation, he said, this one thing she has is needful. And so one thing, one thing, you can miss it by just one thing, right? And so let's have the right thing. Dwight L. Moody Great evangelist of yesteryear. He was involved in many things when he started his ministry. He was involved in the Sunday school movement. He was involved in uh, helping people that were down and out. He was involved in a lot of different things. In 1871, though, he was preaching one night. And he gave people the admonition to go home and think about their relationship with Jesus. He said, and then come back tomorrow night, and I'm going to talk about what shall I do with Jesus, who is called the Christ. And so he left them go, and he, that night the Chicago fire came. And many of those people were not alive the next night to consider what they should do with Jesus Christ. And it changed him totally. He set aside most of those other things. And from there on, he focused on one thing, preaching the gospel. He was singular in his devotion. Same thing with Billy Graham, of course, through the years. People tried to get Mr. Graham to take on other things. Some wanted him to be a politician, ambassador to a country. Some wanted him to be an actor. He was offered a million-dollar contract to, to become an actor. All these different things. Some said be an educator. But you know what? He focused on one thing, the gospel sharing the good news, and that is why he became what God wanted him to be. Athletes, 
focus. They have to narrow their focus. They can't do everything. You can't run every race. You have to focus. You have to narrow it. A tennis player sometimes will give up playing doubles and mixed doubles and all these things to focus on one thing. Singles title. And so concentration really, in a lot of ways, is the key to victory. Now, of course, our admonition is to concentrate on Jesus. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, looking unto Jesus. We must concentrate on him. We must focus on him. This word in the original language is a compound word, looking, and literally it means Look away from everything else and focus, concentrate on Jesus. Remember when Jesus walked on the water and Peter said, Lord, if it's you, let me come to you walking on the water. Remember that? And Peter got out and Jesus said, come. And Peter got out and started walking on the water. As long as he was focused on Jesus, it was okay, right? But then maybe he started hearing the, the whoopies and the encouragement from the boat. Way to go, Peter. Woohoo! You're doing a great job. Just keep it up, buddy. You're going to make it. Maybe it says he heard the wind and the waves and he started looking at that. And when he did, he began to sink. Lord, help me. Lord, save me. And he did. And you just think about it. If we just keep our focus on Jesus... All those other things will not be in our way. And so he walked on the water. And so one thing, this one thing I want to do. And so there's concentration on Jesus. But also, he says, forgetting those things in which are behind me. So number two, B, if you're making notes, not only do we need to concentrate on Jesus, but also we have to forget the past. Forget the past. Now, many people are defeated by the past. Past sin, right? Maybe your sin, that you've blown it, you've messed up, and that is pulling you down. And every time you think about serving God or doing something for Jesus Christ, the devil whispers in your ear, you remember what you did. Everybody knows what you did. And somehow you think, God can't use me. That's a lie. That's the devil's lie. And so, folks, when we think about our sin, we need to immediately turn to Jesus and put it under the blood. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not a little bit, not some, but all. And that goes back to what I talked about before about this morbid 
introspection we sometimes have. Listen, if you just confess the sin you know about and deal with that, he's going to take care of the rest anyway. Did you know when he died on the cross for you, he died for all your sins? There's some people say, well, you know, when, when Jesus died on the cross, you accept him. He forgives you all your past sins, and you're kind of on your own from there. Can I tell you if that's true? I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. I cannot atone for a single sin, past, present, or future. Now, let me ask you, how many of your sins did Jesus die for when he died on the cross? All, past, present, and future. You say, well... Why do I need to confess it? Because it's about that fellowship with Jesus. Not your relationship. You have that when you receive him. But it's that fellowship that we want to stay close to him each day. And we confess it and we accept it, his forgiveness. And we keep that going in our life each day. Where we don't wait a week or a month or whatever to confess our sins. As soon as we're aware of them, we stop and we deal with it. So, God, I've sinned. Please forgive me. Cleanse me. Fill me once again with your spirit. And wouldn't it be great if in 2023 we practice that every day? The Bible says since we live by the spirit, let's keep in step with the spirit. If you did only that in relation to 2023, what a year of victory each one of us would have past sins that we've committed, but also past sins committed against us. There are people that have wronged you in 2022 and 21 and 20 and 19 and all the way back, right? I mean, people constantly wrong you. Sometimes they're your best friends. And you think, boy, I thought you were my friend. And there are grudges that come up in our life. And the Bible says that leads to roots of bitterness. And folks, we've got to forgive people. Remember the story Jesus told about the guy that somebody owed him 10 bucks and, and he grabbed him by the collar and said, pay me all that you owe and put him in prison. Yet he himself had been forgiven by the king for $10 million. Remember that? You see, that man was set free by the king and forgiven. But you know what? He brought himself back into bondage by not forgiving others. And so, folks, 2023, putting behind us our sin, but also those that have sinned against us, putting those fences away. And I believe that forgiveness is a choice. You may not feel it. You may not have a warm, fuzzy feeling about that person and what they did to you, but forgiveness is by faith, and it is a choice. Where you just simply today say, I'm forgiving that person right now on this first day of 2023. And you know what? That person may still come up in your mind at times as someone who's wronged you, but you go back to today. You say, no, today. I forgave them. And you put it behind you. I heard about two elders in a church that were at odds. And it seemed like on every major issue that came up before the elder board, they were in disagreement. And one said something about the other, and that got around. And it was just terrible, but it went on for years. 
when one of those elders got very ill and the doctor said, you're living your last days. And so the pastor came to this elder and said, Brother Jones, why don't you just let it go? Why don't you forgive Brother Smith so that you can just see Jesus and none of that's around you. You've put it to bed. You've put it to rest. You've forgiven him. Elder Jones said, well, okay, bring him in. So they brought Elder Smith in there, and Elder Jones looked at him and said, I want you to know that I was sorry for what I said about you and our disagreements, and I want to ask you to forgive me, but if I get better, it's all canceled. <laughs> but we've got to put it behind us. The Bible says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And so let's make a decision today to forgive that person we've been holding a grudge against. And so past sin, past grievances, but also we need to put behind us past sorrow, past grief. The last few years have brought a lot of sorrow and grief to families. There are no doubt people here this morning who've lost loved ones during the COVID epidemic. And it will never quite be the same, will it? But some have just become overwhelmed with grief and sadness. And it's affecting your walk with Jesus and your daily walk with God. Don't forget the person. Don't put the memory behind you. But put the sorrow and the grief behind you. Ask God to help you so that you can walk with Him and not be so overwhelmed. You know, I told you before when I was here, and I'm sure none of you remember it, but... I told you how I came to know Jesus Christ. My brother was a Christian. He prayed for me and witnessed to me, and I was not interested. But over the months that that happened, God began to speak to my heart. My brother was killed in a holdup. He was a grocery store manager. And uh, that's how I came to know Jesus while he was in the hospital. We were there night and day. God spoke to me, and I bowed my head one night in a hospital prayer room and gave my heart to Jesus Christ. And I told my brother about it that night. He smiled, he couldn't talk. He had tubes but in his throat and it's for breathing, but he smiled. A few days later, he went on to be with the Lord. And I want to tell you, there was an overwhelming sense of loss and grief. My dad had left me when I was two years old. My mom struggled all her life with alcoholism. And I felt so alone because my brother was the only constant, really, in my life. And when he was gone, I didn't know if I could make it. But I turned to Jesus Christ. And I put my faith in him. And I said, dear God, just help me to forgive and forget all this grief. And God, help me to live for you. And I found that Jesus Christ answered that prayer. Yeah, I still miss my brother. But it's not so overwhelming as it once was. 
songwriter put it this way, I came to Jesus as I was weary and worn and sad. I have found in him a resting place, and he has made me glad. The Bible says weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And so ask God to bring healing to your heart. And then also other things we have to forget and put behind us, successes, past successes. Now, there's nothing wrong with success. That's a good thing. But, you know, sometimes it actually keeps us from living as we should right now in the present and in the future. Because we're always looking back and going, well, I did this for the Lord, I did that for the Lord, and so forth. And number one, it causes a problem with pride. It wasn't you who did it. It was God, right? He gets the credit, not us. I like uh, the story of the old Roman emperor who was going along, and this was a tradition in the day when the army won a great battle, great victory. Sometimes they would give this person what we call a parade, a uh, triumphal entry uh, into Rome. And they would come and have the chariots and the horses and the spoils of, of war and the prisoners. And there was a procession that went through the Roman streets. And the whole city turned out to claim the greatness of this general. But here's the thing I like. They were put up in the chariot with the general. Some person that was there who all through the procession would, would whisper insults into the general's ear. You really weren't that great. You really, there are a lot of generals a lot better than you. You know, all the way through. And would constantly say, all glory is fleeting. As a reminder that our victory is not our own. It belongs to our King, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as we think about past victories, let's realize they are not our victory in the sense. They're really God's victory. Put it behind us in terms of that. And then uh, also, not only past successes, but everything that would hinder us. Let us lay aside every weight, the Bible says, and every sin that so easily besets us. Then look at verse 14. He said, I press on. I follow after. And so if we're going to have a good new year, number one, we've got to have that spiritual dissatisfaction of where we are and make some decisions. Number two, a singular devotion. Focus on Jesus and put aside the past sins and all the rest of it. But then also, a steadfast determination. I press on. I follow after. It's this picture of a runner who's running the race and who is stretching for the tape. Notice runners don't slow down when they get to the tape. They put everything out there they can so they can hit the tape before anybody else and win the victory. And that's the picture we have here. Paul is saying, let's have that determination to follow after, to hit the tape moving faster, to not give up, to finish well, as we talk about. When Livingston returned from Africa, 
Someone asked him, where next? He replied, I am ready to go anywhere as long as it is forward. Forward. Don't back up. Don't slow down. We're pressing toward the prize, which is our maturity in Jesus Christ. Our walk with Him. Becoming like Jesus. Now, we're not going to hit the tape totally in this life. It's when we hit the tape in heaven, right? That suddenly all those sins fall away and all those temptations are gone and we become like Him. Paul was a person who was all or nothing, right? Look at him in the road to Damascus when he met Jesus. Prior to that, he was all or nothing. He was trying to persecute Christians and kill Christians, and he was all out. But when he accepted Jesus, guess what? He was still all out. All out for Jesus. He said, I'm going to hit the tape. I'm going to do it. And I'm sure that there is some that when they saw Paul was ultimately beheaded, they said, well, he bit the dust. No, he hit the tape. He hit the tape. How do you view victory, by the way? If you don't view it in the right way, you're not going to realize sometimes you have it. You know, victory for most people would have been that Paul grew to be a very old man. He was wealthy and everything went well for him. And he had a church, big church, and everybody gave him accolades and all the rest of it. Didn't happen that way for him, did it? He suffered, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, all the things, 11 and 12, all the things he went through. He was in prison, he was beaten, he was robbed, he was betrayed by his own countrymen. He went through all of it. He had a thorn in the flesh, remember that? And when he died, he was beheaded by the Roman government. Does that look like victory to you? it does to me see anybody can finish with all the money and all the accolades and all the approval it takes a real person a real Christian to hit the tape on their hands and knees how many remember a program called ABC's Wide World of Sports anybody remember that Y'all are going, no, I never heard of that. <laughs> That's showing my age, right? But the program always started out with these words. The human drama of athletic competition. The thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. Remember that? No, you don't, but it's true. Chad remembers it. So... Here's the thing. You see, victory isn't always the thrill of victory. Hitting the tape in front of everybody else, winning by a country mile. Sometimes it's agony. But it's not the agony of defeat. It's the agony sometimes of victory. That's what it really looks like. I remember watching that one afternoon. And there was a young lady, they showed part of a triathlon, a women's triathlon. And this one woman was way in the lead, 
way in the lead. They're coming down to the final part of that triathlon, the race. She's got, she's got it. It's wrapped up. There's no doubt about it. The next person is way back there. But as she got close to the final goal, she just collapsed. And she fell down. And she got back up. And she fell down. And she got back up. And she fell down and her, her legs were like rubber when she tried to stand up. She lost all control of bodily functions right there on the track. She had hit the wall. And I watched as those other runners went past her and crossed the finish line. But you know what she did? She crawled. She couldn't stand up. But she crawled on her stomach to cross, finally, that finish line. She didn't win the race, but she won the victory. It's not always pretty, but we need to have that steadfast determination. I'm going to finish well. I'm going to run the race. God is set before me, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher. You see, the finish is the important thing. Not that you look great doing it, but that you finish well. Let's bow for prayer. Perhaps you're here today and there's some things that you need to deal with. Maybe some sin that you need to confess to the Lord. Would you do that right now? Maybe you want to make a commitment in your heart to have that singular focus. 2023 is going to be about Jesus Christ and following Him. Maybe there's some commitments concerning God's Word. Witnessing for Jesus. Discipling people for Christ. Being in the Word. Memorizing the Scripture. Let's have the kind of resolutions slash commitments that make a difference. Not just for this life, but for eternity. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ. You've been coming here maybe for years. And this is just one more year. Don't continue as you are. Turn today. Put your faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you. He died for you. Your sins. He took your place. He rose again because He finished that work. He's already done the work. All you have to do is put your faith in Him, not in yourself, but in Him and what He did for you on the cross and receive Him as your Lord and Savior. You can do that in your heart right now. Just pray in your heart right now. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I've messed up. I know on my own I'm not going to make it to heaven. But today I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. Right now I turn, I put my faith in what you did on the cross for me. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. 
I trust you to forgive me. And I will follow you all of my days. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we're not going to have you come forward like we do in a Billy Graham crusade. But could you maybe go to Pastor Chad afterwards and just tell him today, I got some things settled with God, and I know where I'm going. God bless you.